did join us on a very interesting Sunday. Not only are we celebrating birthdays, but this is about the halfway point through our calendar year. And normally on this Sunday, I would be giving you a mid-year update. We would be looking at our vision from last year and where we're at. Here's the thing I know about our vision from last year that we created last year going into this year. A quick update for you. Nothing turned out the way we thought it would. That's your update. Now that doesn't mean that there weren't things that are wonderful that have happened. There are some amazing things that have happened in this church in even the last six months, the last three months. And you look around, you look in this building that we're inside right now. This was not part of the vision when we put it together and, and had our vision Sunday in November. This is something that God provided recently for us and we're thankful for. Amen. I know that Chantel mentioned a minute ago that Kids Ministry launched, actually for the first time this last Wednesday, we launched an evening midweek kids event, and there were, I believe, 23 kids on the very first night out at the park. Yeah, 23. Now, let me tell you, that is more than we had men show up for the first men's event, or the first uh, men's group, and, and that's more than we had in the first women's group. The kids showed up, and thank you for bringing the kids out. Isn't it so important that they get not only here, they, they get the gospel presented to them here, but they can also come together midweek. So we're thankful. We're really thankful for that. You know, if you think about it, God was actually planning that ministry and this building he was planning this back when we were doing something else. We were working on another project. We were in November and December and January, we were working on how to broadcast the, the church service into your home. We were working on things that were right in front of us at the time, but God was working forward. He was working on another project, and he's working on the project that we're just now getting into and I'll tell you, God's working on the project that we're going to already. He's working ahead of us. I'm not going to go back and talk about the, the 2021 vision very much because honestly, over the first six months of the year, there's not a lot that has been measurable by our previous metrics. But I'll tell you something that is measurable, and that is the age of our church. We are now, we're Three years old, our church has reached that mark, and we're so thankful for that. But what that means, though, is as a church, we're still a toddler. We are growing. We are in the early stages. We're still in the early stages of our growth. So that, that does lead to the question, how does a church get from being in a toddler age age group how do you grow from that into adulthood as a church well first it takes time right every toddler it's going to take time for them to grow into an adult for us it takes time you can't go out and buy 15 years of leadership experience and just bring it to the church one day drop it in and say you're good to go it takes time it also takes trying 
every toddler will pull themselves up to the coffee table and they're going to take a few steps trying to get to the love seat, but sometimes they're going to fall down. You're going to get back up and try again. We've got to try. We are fortunate that we get to learn from many churches. If you go back through history, you can find many churches that did it right and many churches that have been successful. And you can also find many churches that have done it wrong. And they both have lessons for us. Some of our mentor churches learned from churches before them. And your grandmother's church learned from a church before them. And if you were to go back further and further and further, all the way back, we're going to look today, going back to the very first church, the very first house of God. Now, the church, as we know it, was born in the book of Acts. We're actually going to go further back than that. I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the Old Testament book of Exodus. We are going to continue our sermon series called, We Do Our Part, God Does His Part. The fact that we are meeting here today shows that we are fortunate as a church. There are many churches that did not make it through the pandemic. There are many churches today that would have met last year at this time, but their doors have been closed, and some of them permanently. There are churches that wish that they were doing exactly what we are doing. We need to be, we need to be able to celebrate the fact that we are still together as a church, that we are actually stronger, but we can't get comfortable because the church is not finished being built. Amen? What you see right now is a result of God's blessing in this building, and I promise you that God has more blessings in store for His church. Not simply this church, but for His church, God has more blessings to come. When it comes to building a church, though, what is our part? What can we rely on God for, and what can God rely on us for? Building something always requires work. It requires dedication. Building things requires patience, and it requires adjusting. We're going all the way back in Exodus, and we're going to look at the story of God's first dwelling. Now, Moses is with the Israelites. He had just led them out of Egypt. They had been in Egypt for 400 years in slavery, and so Moses leads them out. They're out in the desert. They come to the base of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up on the mountain, talks to God. God gives him Ten Commandments. He crushes those. God gives him a Xerox copy. He's got that, and he comes down the mountain to talk to the people about building a tabernacle. The tabernacle would be this traveling, portable structure that the Israelites would move with them throughout their journey. This is about a million people out in the desert, and the tabernacle would be in the middle of their camp. And the 12 tribes would line up around the tabernacle everywhere that they went, and they would pick up all of their stuff, 
including the tabernacle, and they would move to their next location. And God would dwell inside this tabernacle. This is where God made his presence amongst the people. We're going to cover a lot of Scripture today. As a matter of fact, we're going to read all of Exodus chapter 35, and we're going to tap into Exodus chapter 36. So if you have your Bible, keep up with this. It's going to be up here on the screen. This isn't a message that I've titled, How to Build a Church. So let's set this scene. We've got a million people at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses has come down off of the mountain. There is no temple. There is no tabernacle. There is no house of worship. There is no church. There is no synagogue. And now we get to watch God do his part and the people do their part. We get started on this project in Exodus chapter 35. I'm going to start in verse number 4. Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth, tanned ram's skins, and fine goatskin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrance incense, onyx stones, and other gemstones to be set in the ephod of the priest's centerpiece. So, what God has done is provided a list of supplies. These are things that are going to be needed. That's a pretty good place to start a project, don't you think? Is to have a list. Many of us, the smart ones, before we go shopping, we make a list. The rest of us come back with stuff in our cart that we didn't anticipate buying and we impulse bought all kinds of weird things, right? It's a good place to start, is with a list. I'm so glad that God made this list, and he didn't leave it up to man to create a list, right? Even though this is a biblical example that we're looking at that's thousands of years old, this is really still relevant for us today. But if a church is going to be built, there needs to be physical goods. There are physical items that we need to be able to put together to build things, how would the Israelites know what to build? How would they know the supplies they needed if God didn't supply them a list? Here's the list. Now, I know you can think about it and say, well, why don't you just go out and buy a church building? That would be great. None existed in the desert. The Israelites had no place to go and purchase. There was nothing that existed. Same kind of thing that we have here in Paris. You can't physically build a church without materials. You need materials. We like to say the Lord will provide, right? And that's absolutely true. The Lord will provide. But I would argue that the Lord has already provided. That what we need is already amongst us. Write this down. This is point number one in your notes. For those of you that are here in person, your notes are on the back of your bulletin. For those of you on, online, you might see some in your chat room. But write this down and follow along. The entire church is responsible to provide what is needed from what they have. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. The entire church is responsible to provide what is needed from what they have. 
Now, nobody here is going to ask you to bring your gold fillings, is going to ask you to bring your onyx stones, but sometimes we need that reminder that the church and what the church has is provided by the church, is provided by the people. Sometimes we forget that. We need to, to look around and, and see equipment that is here. Outside, see trailers and, and audio equipment that is, is here. And it's a blessing to have that. But there's nobody on the outside of our church that is going to drive up with a truck and just unload a bunch of you know, great equipment for us, right? Everything comes from within the church. No church miraculously just existed. No church just automatically had all of the ministries filled on day one. The audio-video booth, every volunteer was trained, ready to go. Kids, men, everyone was background checked, good to go. You know, you've got your guys out in the parking lot. You've got just every ministry ready. It doesn't happen like that. It takes time. Through prayer and direction, this is where the church realizes the needs, the upcoming needs, and creates a list. And you go to the church, and we say, church, this is what the Lord has put on our hearts that we need, and it is only the ones within the church that are going to be able to fill those needs. We don't live in a country that has a church tax. No, it's actually a thing. Austria, Denmark, Finland... Germany, Iceland, Italy, Sweden, and parts of Switzerland all have a church tax. There are some countries that their churches are entirely funded by the government. Some countries the government tells you what religion you are going to be. That's not the way that God set up his home to be created. He set it up to be created from amongst the people. The needs come from one place. But sometimes the needs of the church can't be purchased. Follow me back. Watch this. We're in Exodus 35. I'm in verse number 10. Moses says, Come all of you who are gifted craftsmen. Construct everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its sacred tent, its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, the place of atonement, the inner curtain to, the sh to shield the ark, the table, its car carrying poles, all of its utensils, the bread of the presence, the light, the lampstand, its accessories. we got a lot of things still to build. The lamp cups and the olive oil for lighting, the incense altar and the carrying poles, the anointing oil and fragrance incense, the curtain for the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering, the bronze grating for the altar and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash bin and its stand, the curtain for the walls, this is a long list, the curtain for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs of the tabernacle, to the courtyard and their ropes and the beautiful stitched garments for the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. That is a long list. You know what we should do? We should take that entire piece and that'll be kids' men memory verse next week. You have to remember. remember. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's point number two in your notes. Your professional skill can be used for God's glory. Moses called out the 
gifted craftsmen. When we think of gifted craftsmen, maybe these days we think of a contractor, somebody who can build a house, somebody who can build a construction on one of the warehouses out here, somebody who can operate an excavator, and, and that's true. But I'll tell you, you would be surprised at some of the skill sets that are inside our church right now. Some of the experience and the learning that people inside our congregation have. And this is important to realize. This is key. The craftsmen that Moses called to work, they didn't get their experience at the church. They brought that from their professional life. They brought that from a job that they do now or maybe a job that they did in the past. Here's my question. What skill do you have from your job that you've been taught that could be used for God's glory? What is a skill that maybe you gained at your last job that can be used for God's glory? Maybe it was a volunteer position that you were part of in the past. You learned something that could be used for the Lord. Just like we have a list of items that are needed to build, and we have a list of skill sets that we need, it's helpful for a church to have a list of the skill sets of what the congregation has. Let me tell you something. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. I've been a tow truck driver. I've been a short order cook. I've been a pizza maker. I've been part of a construction crew, a grocery store stalker, a landscaper, a radio personality. I've volunteered as a softball coach. I've been a uh, boys camp counselor, a trash picker upper. I don't think that's the real name, but um, that's what I'm going with. And so these are a lot of things that you might not have known about me, but you have, a, you have a, a resume that we don't know about you either. And that would be very important for us to know. Remember, everything, we said talked about this last week, everything that you have belongs to God, and that includes your knowledge and your skill. Although the church has not yet had a need for a guy to drive the church-owned tow truck around, I could do that if that was ever a need. You have something that you could do. We might not be using your experience right now, now for digging wells, but if the church takes that missionary trip and we go to Africa at some point, we might need that skill. It would be really good for us to know. Where's Angie at? Angie's somewhere. Here's Angie back here. And Chantel is right here in front. It would, I, would, I would actually encourage you, talk to them and let them know, hey, I have experience in this area from my past. And just write it down and keep it in mind because I want to be able to use my knowledge and my skill for God's glory. We would like to know. We would like to have a list. Hey, this is something that someone in our congregation can do. And when, when we get there, we know who we're going to call. Let's get back to our story. So we have a list from God on what's needed for the project, and we know the skill sets that are needed. Let's go and see what the people of Israel do. I'm in Exodus 35. I'm in verse number 20. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. 
They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all those whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers and necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. All those who owned the following items willingly brought them blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, and tanned ram's skins and fine goatskin leather. And all those who had silver and bronze objects gave them a sacred offering to the Lord. And those who had acacia wood brought it for use on the project. All of the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were willing to use their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn, and the leaders, they brought onyx stones and the special gemstones to be set in the ephod of the priest's chest piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work, had given them, through Moses, brought gifts and gave them freely to the Lord." Here's some of the key points from that passage. One, the gifts were given freely by willing hearts. That's so important. It was known what was needed. Remember, there's a nation living in tents out in the desert, and they brought it with willing hearts. Now, on God's list were gold and silver, There was no Fort Knox back then. They couldn't go and get one of those beautiful gold bars and bring it. The gold that they brought was from their jewelry. They went back to their tents. They might have had some gold pieces. Before they left Egypt, they took a lot of belongings. God told them to. They had permission to take a lot of belongings out of Egypt. They had some of those in their tents too. They brought those, but some of the some of the items may have been heirlooms that had been handed down. And they brought those from their tents, from their possessions. So the project on God's first house, now it's coming along. We've got a list of the items needed. We've got a list of the craftsmen who are needed. And the people have brought what was on God's list. Let's read the next five verses. Then Moses told the people of Israel, The Lord has specifically chosen Beziel and Uri, the grandson of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Beziel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise of all kinds of of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And the Lord has also brought him a holy Eob and Ahisamech from the tribe of Dan, their ability to teach others with, and their ability to teach skill to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, uh, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine cloth, and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. That's a lot of reading, I know. I told you there's going to be a lot of reading, right? But this is a great lesson for us. Here's point number three. This is actually a first-person point. God will provide leaders for the project of building his church, and one of those leaders might be me. It's first-person. 
God will provide leaders for the project of building his church, and one of the leaders might be me. Now, this is so cool. Here's this man that God is calling into a leadership position to help build the new sanctuary, and that could be really exciting to him, but maybe he's nervous as well. Maybe he's humble to be using his skills for God's purposes to help build his home. Just yesterday, this guy was doing his own thing. We know that he's a master craftsman. Maybe he had his own tent and, and he carved stones and that's what the people would bring him things. He had a, like, a little business, a little, little side hustle out of his tent, right? And so that's what he did. Yesterday he was doing his thing. Today he works for God. He had a skill that God needed and God called him. But God went a step further and he called two lieutenants to work with him. And he put them in charge of training others. This is so important. They started creating a leadership pipeline. I wasn't there. But I can imagine that hundreds of guys are showing up for the first day at work out on the job site and they're giving assignments, okay? So you have one team that their job is to start leveling the ground and you have another team that their job is to start melting the gold down so they could turn it into these, these items on God's list. But before they even get to lunch break, one of the guys trips over a rake, pop, nails himself in the head. Now he's walking over to HR to file a worker's comp claim, right? We're, we're down a man already. For those who are in leadership positions, you know I've asked this. You've heard this question. Who's your next? Who are you teaching? Who are you training? Who are you developing? We must develop our next group of leaders within the church. We need to develop our next group of leaders in the ministries. The tabernacle was meant to last longer than the lifespan of the first workers, of the first generation of congregants. If you're going to build a building, you want it to last a long time. It would be senseless for us in leadership to build a church that only has a lifespan of us. We need to develop leaders so that this church can continue growing into future generations. Our church has people that we are training. We're building up. We're actually building and investing in people and resources in people. That's really important. You'd be amazed at the ministries and the growth of the leaders in this church during COVID. I'm not going to lie. COVID actually did some really good things to our church. Really good things to our church. So let's get back to our project. Let's go back to the job site. Let's build our tabernacle, okay? So we've got everything that we need, and we have no problems. We're working along. We're getting along. We're getting things done, and then bam, an another big problem. And this is a problem that nobody would have expected. 
You think that you've got everything ready just in case something happens? You know, uh-uh, no one expected this at all. I'm in Exodus chapter 36. I'm going to start in verse number 1. So Moses summoned Beziel and Ohelaim and all of the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work and they went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough material to complete the job that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses, watch this, gave the command and the message was sent throughout all the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Here's point number four in your notes this morning. God's part is to find the provisions. Our part is to bring them. God can make too much out of not enough. God's going to find those provisions, and he might find them in your house. Our job is to bring them. In all of history, not too many churches could say that we have enough. Not too many churches have said, we've got too much. Stop bringing offerings. Stop bringing golden contributions. But I think it's fascinating that the Lord's very first house had that problem of an overabundance. God was really involved in building that first house. What a great way to start a church. Now, I promise you that somebody here at Paris Valley Church will let you know when we have enough, okay? We will let you know when to turn off the gifts. So far, we, we haven't sounded the alarm yet, but somebody will let you know, I promise you. There are some times, however, and this happens, that people in the church find things that they don't want anymore, and they'll gift it to the church. It's almost like the leftover from your yard sale. Yes, the church does have a list of needs, just like Moses had a list of needs from God. There was a pastor about 20 years ago at a small church who one day, after church, he was at the door greeting people as they, as they left, and a, an older man came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, I want you to come over for lunch because my wife and I, we have a big gift for you. And kind of perks his ear up. So a couple of weeks later, he goes over to lunch. It would be customary for somebody of his age maybe to write the church into his will, and that does happen, legacy gifts. So after lunch, though, the older gentleman takes his cane and he walks past her out onto the back porch, and he just holds up his hands like that, and he says, Pastor, there she is. She's all yours. In front of the pastor was an old school bus that had been converted into a motorhome. It had flat tires. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't pass smog. It was full of dust. It had a busted windshield, and it hadn't been used in 12 years. The old man said, oh, I want you to know right up front, pastor, it's got a plumbing problem, and it leaks. But it's a to the right person, it's worth about $9,000. Here you go. Here is a, a big gift for you. 
Indeed, it was a very, very big gift, but it actually became more of a burden than it did become a gift because, you know, the, the, church, is, the church is a hospital for souls, right? They're not really set up to be an RV parking lot for school buses that have been transformed into Winnebago's. There are sometimes gifts that the church can use. There are sometimes gifts that can become burdensome when they're gifted. That's why that list is so important. Did you notice that God mentioned exactly what was needed to Moses? Moses told the people exactly what was needed, and the people brought exactly what was needed. And they brought it in abundance, so much that the workers had to ask to turn off the spigot of gifts. So what does that mean for us? We're not building a building right now. The Lord has blessed us with this place to meet, and we're so thankful for that. And if the Lord ever does open the door for us to physically build a building, I have no doubt that, that the Lord will supply all of the needed items for that building. We just saw an example of a church that was literally built from the outside in. All the walls were put up. All of the, the, the curtains were built. Our church, however, is being built from the inside out. We are currently strengthening our core. Our ministry leaders are becoming stronger than they ever have been. Our volunteers are deeper into ministry than they ever have been. There are some good ministries that we have at our church that we're still waiting on the Lord to send a leader for. And there are some items that the church needs that we're still waiting on the Lord to supply. But we're not in a position and they weren't in a position. We're not in a position to go and buy ourselves a beautiful church, but we are in the position to grow into one. Amen? A church isn't always built. A church is grown. And as a church, we're never going to stop growing. Our goal is never to stop growing. You know that you can grow in numerous different directions. We think of growing, we think of growing up out of the ground. We think of a toddler that's growing into an adolescent that grows into an adult. You know that you can grow deep? Sometimes growth is deep. You could grow wide. Sometimes growth is wide. We have a vow never to stop growing. One thing that Chantel mentioned a few minutes ago is one of the ways that our church has started to work together. And you'll see this in your bulletin. It's Monday nights at 630. It's a brand new ministry called Team Grow. If you are a volunteer, if you are a ministry leader, if you are on staff, if you aspire to be in any of those three positions, you are actually part of Team Grow. We want you to come and be part on Monday nights at 6.30. This is where we grow together, we learn together, we encourage each other, we communicate. Okay, this, we're going to need this for this next week. We have this going on. We need these volunteers here. This is where we come together. This is bringing the workers together that are needed to 
fulfill the needs on God's list. There is, in your bulletin, there's a QR code there, and you can scan that if you know how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, find one of the kids. I don't know that I could help you, but there's, just scan that and come at 6.30 on Monday evenings. God has given us a list. The church has a list. There's a list of needs. We know that God will provide them, both in the talent that we need and in the supplies that we need. Our job is to follow God's lead, but to continue to develop leaders and to continue growing. We have to train. We have to train others. Because in that room right there is a group of kids that are going to need a church that is solid and strong in 20 years. And their foundation is here today. We need to make sure that we are strong so that we can train the next strong church so that they can have openings in ministry for that group right there. Look, those are the next ministry leaders that are going out to play. Give them a round of applause. They're showing up on Sunday mornings, and they're showing up on Wednesday nights, and they're being taught what it takes to work together as a team. That's our next church right there. They're 20 years away, and we've got a couple of leaders in between us and them to train, but we've got to train them, amen?